The Daily Tap is live for Thursday. We are going to talk about the return of Marquette basketball. We are going to also chat about the Milwaukee Bucks inconsistency. Does it encourage you or does it annoy you? Weird that inconsistency can be encouraging, but trust me and work with me. We'll also do golden kegs for both Marquette and Milwaukee after the topics. And then we will talk about the Green Bay Packer defense against that 49er offense and what the Packers need to do to win on that side of the football. Make sure you're following us on social media. Make sure you're rating and reviewing our podcast. That only helps. Make sure you're telling a friend. Um, I think you guys know where to find us by now, but tapping the keg sports or tapping the keg on all those different platforms will do you good. We have the logo or my face on the Twitter profile. Let's get into it and talk about the Marquette Golden Eagles. Marquette Golden Eagles stunned the Villanova Wildcats 57-54. Marquette won in their on-campus arena where Villanova has won 28 straight games. Marquette has been awful at that arena. It always makes you cringe when you have to deal with the on-campus arena at Villanova. It's called the Finn um, I, I think it's Finnegan's Pavilion is the official name. I might be butchering that a little bit. But it's a very tough place to play. Alan Bayakowski of Crack Sidewalks, who's going to get a second shot out here in a second, uh, he made the point that it's the toughest arena in college basketball. I think that's a little bit of a stretch. I love Alan, but I, I do think it's a really tough place to play. And Marquette has got steamrolled there. Marquette had lost nine straight games to Villanova. They Villanova had owned the Golden Eagles in the last few years. I can remember leaving for a flight to Copenhagen right before COVID shut down, 2020. And I was watching the Golden Eagles play Villanova, same arena, and they were just lifeless. Like they, they didn't have anything. They got their asses handed to them that night, and they lost. And that was... That was a bad one, and it was kind of the start of really the end for Marquette. Now, we never got to see that season play out, but Marquette, if you remember, started so hot, and then they went into a complete tailspin. And that was sort of the MO for Steve Wojciechowski's team. But I'm not here to talk about the past. I'm here to talk about the present. And some may say, well, Charlie, didn't Marquette return with all these other wins? I mean, they are nearly tops in quad one wins this season. If Providence was two steps higher, they would have the nation's lead for quad one wins with six already this season. Why is this the return of Marquette basketball? Well, I look at the quote from Al McGuire, the famous quote, the essential iconic quote from Al McGuire, where he talked about recruiting. And he says this, my rule was I wouldn't recruit a kid if he had grass in the front of his house. That's not my world. My world was a cracked sidewalk. As I mentioned, cracked sidewalks, the blog, great blog. But that to me is Marquette basketball in a nutshell. And Marquette went away from that. Marquette strayed away from the cracked sidewalk mentality that they had for so long. That Buzz Williams had, that in a way Tom Crean had. I don't think, Tom Crean's a tough one, but I, I do think Tom Crean had it, especially the 2003 team with Travis Diener, Steve Novak, Rob Jackson, Dwayne Wade. You, you know everybody on that, that roster. Marquette went away from it. They were a little more flashy. They were a little more soft. They were not the team that I think everybody expected to be when Steve Wojciechowski took over. And now they're back. 
Now they are the team that will grind you down to a pulp, that will scrap in every game, and they are not out at any moment. And they believe in each other so much, and you can see it on the court. You can see how much these guys love each other. The team chemistry, I don't think, has been stronger since the, what, the Buzz Elite Eight team. Like, that to me is where this team chemistry is. There's no ball hogness. There's no worried about who's getting the rock or anything like that. Everybody's getting equal time. They're working together as a team, finding the open man, whether it be for a three or a dunk or something else. They are a very talented group of individuals who are playing strongly as a team. And I cannot be more proud. I mentioned on Monday's show, and kind of the return to Hawaii, from Hawaii, if you will, I talked about how there's nothing better in sports than an unexpected great year. I think there's nothing worse in sports than an unexpected bad year. Take the 2018 Packers, for example. But an unexpected great year for your sports team is like just having consistent sex for the first time in your life. Like that's basically what it is because there is something to like every day is exciting. Every day is something new. Every day you're not really let down. You're not getting into fights. Everything is rolling in the right direction. And that's how it feels with Marquette right now. I, I, I haven't felt this way in a long time. I think Honestly, it might be the Villanova win when Marquette won at the Bradley Center. Um, they stormed the court, the whole thing. That, to me, was like a moment in time. But it faded quickly. I mean, I believe Marquette lost the next game. I'd have to go through the annals. But it, it never never really felt like Marquette sort of had that bulldog mentality. I know there's bulldogs and Hoyas in the Big East, but Marquette is the true bulldog. Don't get that. Don't get that twisted. Marquette never really showed that dog mentality, and so even though they beat Villanova, it didn't seem like Marquette would ever take the next step. Even though they had an awesome roster around them, now it feels like the sky's the limit. It feels like Marquette can return to that precipice. Can return to being an Elite Eight, Final Four team, even a Sweet 16 team. I understand that Shaka Smart has not been good in the postseason besides the VCU run. That's another story for basically the month of March, and we'll talk about that. And I'm not saying this year they're an Elite Eight or a Final Four team, but I would put nothing past these fucking guys because they keep surprising me. They keep doing something new. I thought expectations going into the season, hey, it'd be cool if you'd win the NIT, get to the NIT, not win the NIT. Be cool if you get to the NIT. They're not, they're very inexperienced. It'd be awesome to get to the NIT. That would be a great feather in the hat for this season. Season starts going along. This actually might be a tournament team. Well, it'd be cool to be on the bubble. It'd be cool to maybe be one of the last ones in. You know, Shaka went to the Final Four as the last one in. Play up that whole thing. It'd be cool to have the exposure of being a tournament team in. Then now take this recent hot streak before Villanova. It's like, all right, well, fuck a bubble. Like, we're in this thing. And now, even though we have a really tough stretch... The resume is so good, I don't know if anybody's going to be able to keep us out or compete with our resume. And now the Villanova thing happens, and I don't know, man. The sky's the limit. 
Like, what's to say they can't beat Xavier on Sunday afternoon? Who they owe? I mean, they were in that game with Xavier on the road. Sintas Center, not an easy place to play. I have a feeling that crowd will be on fucking fire on Sunday. And who, who knows? If the Packers win, lose, I, I think there'll be a lot of people either nursing a hangover and getting ready and just getting the hair of the dog or just fired up to be watching Marquette basketball. I know I am. Like, I'm very fortunate that my weekend revolves around sports. Heading up to Lambeau on Saturday. I'm heading back down for the Marquette-Xavier game on, on Sunday. There is a renewed energy with this program because they've returned to their roots. They've returned to who they are. And this is a reawakening, if you will, of Marquette basketball. And I'm so happy that this has taken place. But what's important to be said is that the Marquette Golden Eagles are back to that cracked sidewalk mentality. They're back to being a junkyard dog. They are back to being a gritty team that's never going to lose in the fight. They're never going to give up the fight. And I can't be more proud to be cheering for this team. Let's actually talk about the game, huh? We didn't, we didn't do much on the game. It was more, what does this mean, the macro look of... Marquette's win over Villanova. Let's go micro. Let's talk a little golden kegs here before I move on to the Milwaukee Bucks. Three kegs to Justin Lewis. Justin Lewis was incredible in this game. Justin Lewis is probably going to be a high second round, late first round pick next NBA draft. And I won't blame him if he goes pro uh, because he's really good. And we've seen Shock Smart do this before. He develops big men. That's why it was so puzzling that Dawson Garcia did not want to stay at Marquette. I don't really know what Dawson's been doing, truth be told. But it, it was a interesting decision. His decision, of course. But Shock Smart's known for developing big man. And you're seeing it with Justin Lewis. The inside-out game that Justin Lewis had in this one was truly special. 21 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. I mean, one of the best performances of the year for any Marquette player. And just dominated that basketball game. Villanova did not have an answer for Justin Lewis. The spin move to tie up the game was one of the better plays <laughs> that you'll see. Like, it, to me, it's the highlight of the night. It's a highlight of maybe the year. Ah, it's a little too far. But still, it was, it was an awesome play by Justin Lewis. Deserves a ton of credit. The guy is a phenom and definitely Marquette's top player. And he wins the three kegs tonight. You had Greg Elliott, too, who also gets some Greg, some golden keg recognition. Uh, 14 points, four threes for him. Greg Elliott is the straw that stirs the drink. He had had a little bit of a knee thing. Um, Greg's been hurt for all of his career, really. And I was there very worried. I was very concerned that... Uh, Greg Elliott was going to be going down. He didn't. He stayed in the game. Uh, he had some big shots down the stretch. He had a brutal turnover. We're not going to talk about that. Um, but Greg Elliott is really a important piece to this team. And you can see why Greg Elliott stayed. Everybody else left. His buddy Jamal Cain left, who's excelling at Oakland, which I'm really happy for. Although, I love Jamal Cain. Jamal Cain was probably one of my favorite players last season. I was sad that he... Departed, but I'm glad to see he's having success. But Greg Elliott fits this team. He fits the mold of this team. And you just see that leadership mentality from him as one of the old guys on this roster. And one of the guys who's been here before and knows these environments and can work with all these guys. 
and explain and be a coach on the court. That is Greg Elliott. And his points points today were valuable. His hustle today was valuable. So I give Greg Elliott the two kegs for uh, the Marquette Villanova game. Lastly, we will give it to David Joplin as the one keg. So you're like, Charlie, David Joplin had three points. David Joplin made one basket. Why are you giving this guy a recognition? Why are you giving him the one keg? The Brookfield native deserves it. That's why. Marquette was down nine. Marquette was ready to look like they were packing it in. Like I tweeted out, like I wanted to tweet out Marquette's in the danger zone and then Villanova hit another three. Like it, at that point, when we refer back to the return, like that was where usually the avalanche would start with the Wojo teams, right? Where they get down, they get on a run and Marquette would never be able to recover. They never be, it's like you sunk my battleship. I'm now trying to basically throw water out of the boat. But Joplin calmly steps in and hits a three, um, and the lead gets down to six, and then Marquette kind of starts their run. They start clamping down on defense, and there you have it. And that's part of the reason why Marquette won this game. I hope David Joplin knows his five minutes were very important in this one. And I know the coaching staff will likely do a good job with that, but you can kind of see the potential with David Joplin, and I think hopefully he will stay the course. I know the transfer portal is a crazy thing, but I, I do think David Joplin has a long-term future here with Marquette, um, and that shot was huge, man. It, it cannot be ignored. Um, one of the things that I haven't mentioned, I guess the bar complaint, if you will, um, we don't usually do these when we have success, but it deserves a complaint. The referees were so bad in this game, and... Those who follow me on Twitter for a long time know that I could overdo it a little bit with Big East officials. I, I hate college basketball refs more than most things in life. Like, I, I hate them more than I dislike. I was going to say Osama Bin Laden, but I felt like that's a little too harsh. That's a little too far. But I, I just don't like them, all right? Like, I, I just hate the guys, all right? Like, I hate them more than a tight-fitting shirt that showcases my belly. Maybe that's a little bit better, okay? I, I just do not like big, big East officials. So I was on with bullshit again today where I basically was criticizing Big East officials up and down. They were terrible. I started calling Villanova the Villanova LeBrons. I mean, they got every call. And look, Villanova is the gold standard. Villanova is going to get a little more love from officials because Jay Wright's been around for a long time. He knows all these guys. I'm sure he shares Christmas cards. Like, they are butts, all right? Like, they're going to get a little more love than others. But at the same time, it doesn't excuse some of the bullshit and every 50-50 whistle went to Villanova. It was ridiculous. Um, so the fact that Marquette won, despite how bad the officiating is, speaks volumes, honestly. Um, usually that's that's something that's really tough to come back for, especially for college kids because they are frustrated. They never got frustrated. They kept their cool. There is an ice water mentality for Marquette, and they showed it with the officials, and good for them. Let's move on to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks got off to Schneid. Nice win against the Memphis Grizzlies, 126 to 114. The Grizzlies being one of the hotter teams in basketball. Now, granted, they were a little shorthanded. They were without Desmond Bain. I think they've uh, been without Dylan Brooks. So the injuries are kind of adding up for Memphis. Regardless, this is still a really good win for Milwaukee. 
Uh, Memphis has been the hot team in town. And Milwaukee was like, whoa, 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 not so fast. Besides the third quarter, the Milwaukee Bucks really shut down Memphis. I know John Morant went off and Jaron Jackson had a really good second half. But still, Milwaukee did enough to beat this Memphis team and they looked good doing it. And now you wonder, okay, why can't you keep up this same energy for all these other games? Like, why isn't this there? And there is an inconsistency right now about the Bucks. So the question becomes, are you encouraged by it or are you discouraged slash annoyed by it? Now, the easy part is the discouragement, which we'll get to in a second. But you're like, Charlie, why would we be encouraged by inconsistency? Well, look at the three teams where they've actually looked really good. Brooklyn, Eastern Conference final contender for sure. Golden State, NBA Finals opponent, definitely possible. Memphis, NBA Finals, maybe possible, but a hot team in the streets where everybody's talking about them. Stephen A. today said that he'd rather have John Morant in a playoff than Giannis Antetokounmpo. I want the weed that Stephen A. is smoking. I realize this is all done to provoke me. I don't give a fuck. Like, that is such a bad take, and Stephen A. should know better. But I don't understand why these national guys can't seem to embrace Giannis Antetokounmpo as the best player of basketball. But that's another story for another time, which we we don't need to get into here. That That's like a full podcast. That's like a Mitch podcast. Like, that... That's not me just rambling and raving about why I, I think the national media hates hates Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'd probably start talking like Alex Jones. You guys don't need that from me. You really don't. So the Bucks kicked their ass. Memphis, that is. And the fact is, is now they've had three wins against Brooklyn, Golden State, and Memphis with a bunch of losses to bad teams littered in there. So what gives? Well, this is obviously a team who wants to show all of the contenders that we are still the top dog, that we are still the team to beat out of this whole thing. And just so you know that, we're going to beat your ass in this basketball game. That's really cool. That's something that gives you hope come playoff time, right? You look at that and you say, all right, when the lights are bright, the Bucks are gonna show up and they're gonna show up in a big way. Bucks are now 17 and three when Middleton, Holiday, and Giannis are all playing in the game. So that's another fact. So to be like encouraged by how they're playing against the good teams, it just tells you that the Bucs have it in them. The Bucs aren't this team that's totally different, that can't win in the postseason. They for sure can be an NBA Finals team. There's no doubt in my mind. But I do think they should make it less hard on themselves. I don't want to repeat about our seeding talk we had with Mitch yesterday, which you can go back and listen to. But I will say, like, you still have to beat beat some teams that aren't at your level, that aren't necessarily the Memphises, the Brooklyns, the Golden States of the world. And you have to fill those in to maybe get a three seed, maybe get a four seed, a two seed if that. I don't think the Bucks cared that much, but I do think they want home court, at least for a playoff series, at least for one. And I think I'm sure those discussions have been ongoing with the coaching coaches and the players about really keeping that focus, even if the team isn't that good or isn't going to be contending. We'll see what they're like against the Bulls. It's on national TV. I think the Bulls have a similar vibe to Memphis where they're going to want to kind of bring the noise. So I expect another good game for the Bucks. So obviously the discouragement of that, the annoyance of this is like, well, this sucks. Like, So you're telling me that when they play... 
the Atlanta Hawks again that they're just going to be lifeless? Well, no. I'm just saying, like, don't be on. Ex- I think we can now say it's not shocking. It's not surprising if the Bucks come out and they look flat. Because there are days where I don't think the Bucks want to be there. And, and I, I think that that's simplifying it. But I'm just like, if you think about what you have to get up for a Memphis or Golden State versus what you have to get up for a Detroit, you're just not necessarily going to be feeling it as much. So I, I'm not trying to deflect blame. I still want the Bucks to do well. I'm still not going to go into the Sacramento game on Saturday and be like, oh, well, we're going to fucking lose that because we're lackadaisical pieces of shit. No, that's not what I'm saying. Rather, what I'm saying is like, I think it comes with the territories with championship teams. I think they have just a collective, not these guys. But then when you see Brooklyn come to town, you're like, all right, turn it on. Like, let's let's not necessarily even flip the switch, but let's, like, crank it up. Like, let's turn it to 11 sort of thing uh, when the, a team like Brooklyn or Golden State is who they're facing. So I'm not necessarily worried about this. I just would like to see a little bit of a run to start distancing yourself or putting yourself into that top three versus four, five, and six. I think that would be more beneficial to the Bucks if possible. But like I said, we did a whole big thing on seeding with Mitch yesterday. As for the Golden Kegs, I realized I kind of went through the Golden Kegs very fast for the Marquette Golden Eagles. Didn't explain it. It is basically a star rating, if you will, who is a three-star, a Golden Keg, but like really good. It's more, it's a reverse for hockey, because hockey, one star, you're the best. Three star, you're just okay. It's the, it's the reverse, and we're doing it with kegs, because we are Milwaukeeans, and there was a golden keg once upon a time as a football trophy. We need to find it. We need it for the office. I task that to the people. Three kegs, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis Antetokounmpo played great. You could see that Giannis... I think Giannis heard what Stephen A. said about the John Morant versus Giannis commentary. 33 points for Giannis, 15 rebounds, 7 assists. Giannis continues to be great in terms of average point average. He's at 30 points a game this month. He's been stellar on playing really good basketball. Um, he hit his free throws again. He was 7 of 8 from the line. Um, that's encouraging to see. The turnovers were still high, 5 of them. He did follow out 2 in this game. Uh, so not necessarily the clean, the cleanest Giannis Antetokounmpo game, but it's still one that's worth talking about and worth shining a light on because he did play really well despite some of the nitpicks, shall we say. Uh, he looked like the best player on the court, which isn't a surprise, even with John Morant and how well John Morant has played. And that, he, had a, he had a good stat line, 33-14-8. Like, that's nothing to shrug, shrug at and nothing to be sort of dismayed of. But yeah, Giannis, Giannis played really well in this one, and he deserves a lot of credit. Two kegs, going to my guy Chris Middleton, 27 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. His turnovers, only one. Funny how that happens when you don't have to handle the ball as much, especially down the stretch. He wasn't great from three, but that's okay. Chris had a really big second half for Milwaukee, and was part of the reason to pull back away. I mean, Memphis... Got close in a couple instances. Like Memphis had a really good third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, Memphis actually got it down to three at one point. That was more of a Giannis close. 
But in the fourth, Middleton had a really good second half and a really good fourth. And it was the one-two punch, man. A little bit of Chris, a little bit of Giannis. That's going to win a lot of basketball games. One keg goes to George Hill. Yes, the same George Hill that I slandered the other day. Uh, George, George Hill read the tweets. Let's just put it that way. 14 points, six boards, six assists. Really good night for George Hill, who is still starting for Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday not completely ramped up, coming off the bench with only 22 minutes. He was also 5-7 from the field and hit two threes. He had a great play at the end. It was underrated in a sense because all of a sudden Memphis had Middleton in a trap. He lost the ball, and then George Hill was able to get it back. It was kind of this... Frantic play, and then it went to Wes Matthews, who found Giannis onto the... Or it was Wes, then the Drew, then found Giannis for a dunk. But George Hill deserves credit for that. And maybe George Hill just needed to play a little bit more. And maybe the Atlanta game has kind of awoken the legs a little bit. That George Hill just needed a couple 30-minute games to kind of start feeling good again. And that it was a little uneven for him coming off the bench. I don't know. I'm just theorizing why maybe George Hill played a little bit better. Now, I know Memphis' defense can be a bit shaky at times, but I'm, I'm not going to discredit what Hill did. I really thought that George Hill was strong in this one and deserves a ton of credit for the way he played. Don't have any real stats for you. I guess the stat of the night were uh, no complaints for sure for this Bucks team. Uh, Bucks were 21 of 22 from the line tonight. So that, that's going to win you basketball games. When you're going 95% from the free throw line, that's going to win you games. The Giannis free throw stuff, though, has been not talked about enough. I'm telling you guys, that is going to be a huge development come playoff time if it continues. We've seen it for a couple weeks stretches. We now need to see it for a month or six weeks before we're like, all right, this dude finally figured out free throws. You guys are in a lot of trouble. Moving on to the Green Bay Packers, the Green Bay Packers, San Francisco 49ers. We are three days away. I am working on the cold by walking my dog, Lily, and just going out in the cold with limited exposure. Just trying to get myself acclimated to this weather, understand how really cold this is going to be. Um, and I don't, again, I've said it before, I don't think the Niners are going to be ready for it. Um, but the Packer defense, we will be, and they're going to take on that 49ers offense that has a lot of hype around it, a lot of talent. Guys like Debo Samuel, George George Kittle, uh, Elijah Mitchell, and many others. Um, good offensive line as well. Kind of unheralded, and yes, Jimmy G. I wouldn't call Jimmy G great, but Jimmy G is a good quarterback. He is a game manager doing exactly what San Francisco needs to do. So how can the Packers win on this side of the ball? Number one, they need to attack Jimmy G. We talked about that a little bit yesterday, but they need to go balls to the walls. If Joe Barry needs to dial up more blitzes, if Joe Barry needs to send more pass rushers, that's exactly what he should do. Anything to get Jimmy Garoppolo banged up early will be a good thing. Now, I'm not calling for Jimmy Garoppolo to get hurt. I'm not calling for a bounty or anything like that. More so just saying, like, you need to sort of get that, get him hit and get him sort of feeling rattled, not wanting to be there, or just too banged up to play. Like, if Green Bay gives Jimmy a clean pocket, they're going to lose this game. There's no question about that in my mind. Number two, will Zedarius Smith and Jair Alexander make an impact that is a game-changing impact? 
I don't know. Uh, it's that's hard, right? Because they haven't played for so long. I could see Zadarius Smith coming up with a sack. I could maybe see Jair Alexander picking off Garoppolo. He did it in week number three. Um, we'll see. We'll see how much of an impact these guys make. And it, and I still think just having them back, just having them in the locker room, having them dressed, it adds an element. Whitney Merciless, another one. He's a little bit less, but still worth talking about. That Merciless wants a Super Bowl, man. And I think a lot of these guys want a Super Bowl. And that's why they worked their way back. And I'm really excited to see what Alexander and Smith can bring to the table. Number three, they have to contain. If they don't contain, they will not win. Contain, contain, contain. Do not let what the Bears and Ravens and really the Browns do against you where they all took it off tackle. Because guess what Debo Samuel likes to do? He likes to get a convoy and go off tackle. You have to shut it down immediately. And I just think that's really on Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith. A little bit of Zadarius. I almost wonder, are you going to let Zadarius sort of be a spy and a stalker? Zadarius is a great run stopper. Zadarius is a better run stopper than Rashawn Gary. And I think Preston Smith for that matter. So maybe that helps out. Maybe that sort of solves some of your problems when it comes to the outside. Because the outside has been a mess uh, all year, really. But down the stretch... It has been bad, and I think the Niners will find ways to exploit it because that's just who Kyle Shanahan is, right? Kyle Shanahan is always going to be the guy who finds the problems, who finds what what can we expose, and that is something there. So we really need the contain to come for the Green Bay Packers. If Packers are going to win on this side of the ball, maybe they're going to get a pick six. Maybe Rasul Douglas is going to have yet another moment. I realize that is greedy. Rasul has already had two. That's more than some guys have in like five years. Rasul's looking for his third pick six. He's going to get opportunities with Jimmy G. Jimmy G is going to throw it at him. I would not be surprised if Rasul Douglas takes one back. I really think it's on the table. I think it's possible that Rasul has that moment and he's had a couple great ones already this season. I think this would be a bigger one. I am predicting at least a Rasul interception. I'm not going to predict a pick six. But it's definitely something that I think will help the Packers win is the play of Rasul Douglas. George Kittle needs to be slowed down by Darnell Savage. One of the things that gives me nightmares it was the Mark Andrews Baltimore game, where they didn't have that great of a quarterback, yet they found a way to push the ball downfield with Mark Andrews, uh, basically exploiting Darnell Savage. You have to think Joe Barry is going to come prepared for that. We're going to talk about Joe Barry here in a second. But you have to think Joe Barry is prepared for that, whether that's floating Amos over, whether that's using a linebacker for short yardage and and Savage for or for short yards and then Savage for the long yardage, whatever works. But you cannot let George Kittle just dominate the middle of the field like you like Mark Andrews do. That just can't happen. And Kittle's the one guy who I think will not be cold in this. I think he'll be sleeveless. He'll be ready to rock. He'll be ready to hit somebody. So you need to make sure that the Savage matchup is packaged up the right way because I would hate to have Kittle go off. Lastly, Joe Barry's stubbornness. One of the things that I've noticed about Joe Barry, and I'm not in the camp of fire Joe Barry or anything like that, of course not. And they think even if the Packers lose, you need to get your head checked if you think Joe Barry would have been the, the ultimate problem here. I just think the Green Bay Packers need to be flexible. 
they need to understand that if it's not working, throw it the fuck out. Don't keep coming back to the same sort of defensive looks. You have to be exotic. You have to try some different stuff. Or this Niners team is going to run all over you. So take your pick. But I'm not calling for <laughs> for any sort of firing. No, no firing at all. I'm just telling Joe Barry, like, that would be my word of wisdom to that guy. Who he probably wouldn't take it, but that's that's all that's all I can offer. But yes, I do feel good with this Packers defense against the Niners offense. I, I look, I know the Niners can run the football better than anyone. I know the Packers have struggled against the run. They're not necessarily built to stop the run. They're built to stop the pass. Now, do they need to maybe adjust that in the draft? Sure. But they can get big buys up there. They can get Kenny Clark. They can get TJ Slate. They can get Zedarius Smith. They can have the filling of Devondre Campbell and Chris Barnes. I'm not necessarily worried about the Packers of San Francisco. I, I think they can do it, and I have all the confidence in the world. We're going to do a final thoughts stuff. Uh, on Friday's show. We'll talk a little bit about betting, but I do want to steer away from betting. Not not because I don't like it, just because I don't think all of you are into it. And so I, I want to create the best customer experience. I want to make sure that when you're listening to it, it's what you want to hear. So I'm going to remove that a little bit. We'll talk about the spread and what I would do, but it, it's not going to be the sole focus. Let's put it that way. We're not going to look at props. We're not going to look at futures. We're just going to talk line over under, Bada bing, bada boom, and that's it. That will do it for today's show. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. We will be back tomorrow for a Friday show. Can't wait. Cannot wait for Packers Niners. It's getting closer and closer uh, for that to be here. All right, guys. Take care of yourself. Have a great Thursday. Back tomorrow. See you. Bye.